1: of the Second City Hockey Podcast. Dave Mountain here is your host, assistant editor at Second City Hockey. And with me as, not always, but usually for the most part, are two of the usual miscreants on the internet. First off, the master of all puns and the reason for every joke that's made you groan from the Second City Hockey Twitter account, it's Brandon Kane. Hey, hey. Hi, hi. And then the other person responsible for some of the jokes... Probably not puns, but some of the humor and just other general things. And also, he talks about the Vegas Golden Knights from time to time, which will come in handy this week. It is Shepard Price.
0: Hello. Uh, I'm sort of just, just still carving out my niche in the pun world. Uh, I'm not the pun master like uh, Brandon is, but I'm still making
1: my way. Hey, and I didn't even make fun of the Detroit Lions.
0: Hey.
2: It's Yay. okay. They do it themselves.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. Yeah. Our
0: one good player missed the week and we lost the Bears. Hell yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. That's all right. You didn't miss much. So, anyway, uh, hockey things. Um, we're here talking about the Blackhawks after maybe some good things that happened. It was kind of funny. At the end of the last podcast recording, mm-hmm. I was bordering on the, uh, the edge of just burning down the entire franchise, just looking at the schedule they had coming up, and they had just played three or four games that seemed like total disasters since that recording they've actually won three of five games um and they have beat a few teams that were you know the vancouver canucks victory was that's a team that was playing very well the toronto maple leafs were allegedly going to be one of the top teams in the east this season so what i'm trying to say is that maybe my fears have been subsided a little bit and I've been pulled back from the ledge somewhat by the Blackhawks performances and I wanted to ask Shepard Price, uh, what have you seen from the Hawks in the last week or two that has stood out to you in these better performances we've seen of late?
0: Uh, So, there's sort of two key things that are going on with the Blackhawks right now that sort of has changed how they play. The most important thing is they've stopped the dump and chase. Um, That system did not work uh, it was not the system Colleton played last season that had the, the Blackhawks actually playing okay hockey that was fun to watch, um, and now the Blackhawks are are done with that and are doing possession transitions, and it's working, uh, which almost everybody knew it would. Um, ben Pope for uh, has written pieces about how transition has how uh, possession transitions work better and they've been more successful, and he was right. Those are the things that sort of make Colleton's system work. And then the second one is that the centers are letting the faster wings because on this team, wings are almost universally faster than, than, than the centers. Wow. Um, they're sort of lagging on, the, on, the, uh, on entries into the uh, offensive zone. So let's say Dylan Strom's playing with Dabrinkat and Kane. He'll let one of those two carry the puck in. And then he'll come in second so that if the puck comes off of them, because the defenseman, he's sort of there to grab the puck back and keep it in the zone. Um, and that's and – and after he comes up, the defenseman come up, so they're also there for insurance. But that's been working as well. And he's made – and Dylan Strong in particular has made a few plays off of that that have resulted in goals. And so that's a system that's working better.
1: When you – and we talk about the – the big thing for me is the zone injury because against the Nashville Predators – the, that game where they lost three to nothing and could have lost 15 to nothing if Leonard didn't stand on his head. That game reminded me of the playoff series against Nashville from two or three years ago, where Nashville just their entire strategy was to make sure the Hawks never skated the puck through the neutral zone. So yeah, to play the he, traps. exactly. And it seemed like none of the other teams, the Hawks have played have made that a priority. So is the thing you're talking about with the better zone entries, is that a result of, the Hawks executing better, or is it teams not using the strategy that Nashville used against the Hawks to stop them?
0: It's probably a bit of both. Um, okay. I think the Blackhawks probably have faster wings than they did, again, in that Nashville series. I think Dominic Kubelik's one of the best skaters they've had in a long time. I well, think Alex Nylander is well, a I'm just saying
1: the, the game two weeks ago looked exactly like that playoff series, and the Hawks do have a, yeah. a faster roster now, but – it didn't matter again that national game two weeks ago. Again, that was probably the low point of the season thus far. So it's I don't want to use that as the basis for comparison, but it, it did happen.
0: Right, but that uh, I think that was also the Blackhawks trying to stick with the plan that was not a plan that was working, which was the Duffin chase. And I think that's what happens. That was the, it was the Ducks game where they scored four, where they had four shots in twenty three minutes, right?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I think that was. Yeah, I
0: think I think that was probably part of the problem in that game too. Because I don't think the Ducks played the trap.
1: Right. And the other the other cool thing that I've noticed from this happened more in the Maple Leafs game. And, and Brandon, I'll, I'll bring you in on this one, because there was so much talk about the Maple Leafs having 50 shots on goal. or it was like 53 or 57, some absurd number. But every everything I looked at and I think, Shepard, you shared in our uh, Slack chat about the evolving hockey thing that the Hawks pretty much kept everything the, to the perimeter. But fifty-seven shots is also fifty-seven shots. So, so Brandon, I was just—have you seen? Have you seen better defensive performance out of the Hawks? And and does that fifty-seven shot total? Does that still bother you, even though even if they were kept to the outskirts for the most part?
2: I mean, fifty-seven is fifty-seven. No, no matter which way you look at it.
1: Right
2: here. Uh, but it's—it is a good thing that they were kept to the perimeter, uh, because it shows at some length that there is an improvement defensively to push things to the outside, uh, which will make in theory the job of Crawford or Leonard easier if you're seeing shots from distance. Right. Uh, so that's nice because that increases the the hard amount of work that they're doing. Um, and they're, they're doing a lot of work <laughs> as everyone knows. So if you can, decrease uh, the difficulty of it, that probably makes it easier on them.
1: Right. And is there like, – I don't know. It's, it's, been, it's been better for sure. And, and I think some credit has to go to Jeremy Colleton. I mean, I, there were plenty of people ready to fire him two weeks ago, and I don't know if I was quite there, but I was getting close. So the fact that Colleton has made some adjustments is encouraging – um, and, Shepard, I guess I'll bring it back to you. Is there anything else you've seen the Blackhawks doing differently that points to a coaching strategy change that's encouraged you with the way the Hawks have played the last few weeks?
0: The realization that line combos do matter and and finally putting Brandon in style with Jonathan Taves. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a positive indication that Jeremy Callison realizes that things are going on that he needs to uh, respond to putting his best player on the first line.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, that that seemed like such an obvious move because, you know, Taves wasn't really getting much done and and Brandon Saad was such a good linemate for Taves in his first go-around with the Hawks. It just seemed so obvious of a choice and they would never do it and it just made no sense as to why they weren't doing it.
0: Yeah, and you see that it pays off because last night they don't win if Saad doesn't score that goal. That was a crucial moment for the Blackhawks, and that's a Taze-Sod combo.
1: Okay. Any, any players that have really stood out for you guys, Brandon or Shepard, either one of you guys want to chime in on this. I, I don't know if there's any players that have been particularly impressive or have really stood out in your minds over the last couple of weeks. Um, and anything that pops to the front of your minds?
2: I guess, you know, defensively, Calvin DeHaan has played, you know, better than I saw during the last stretch of when we recorded. Uh, and that was noted in the, the three takeaways from, the game against, or I guess the the weekend split, uh, between the the Maple Leafs and the Penguins, so people can read up on that. Just doing a good job of playing the simple game. His high danger chances against are second
1: best on the team.
2: Was it Jimmy Greenfield of?
1: He's the Chicago Tribune beat reporter. Chicago
2: Tribune, yeah, he had the quote from, DeHaan, which was, I don't know how do, how do we say this, guys. uh A bit uh, straightforward and to the point.
1: (laughs) I think I know which one you're referring to.
2: Um, And it's great. You can just go to his like tweets because he liked all the replies to it. (laughs) Um, He said, I think everyone's starting to buy in a little bit more. You can look at all the Corsi bullshit. There's not many grade A's we're giving up. And this was after the Penguins game, I believe. Yes. The ninth? yeah. Um, and everyone was like oh buddy like this isn't true blah blah, blah. and then people looked at his own stats and they're like well actually
1: <laughs> well and, and actually the game against Toronto was actually the best proof of that because as we mentioned earlier they gave up 57 shots but I think natural stat trick only had them with four high danger chances against which I can't believe that they got Toronto it seems like Toronto was getting across the blue line throwing it on net and that counts as a shot against
2: yeah. And I think Dave you had when you and I were talking about the game earlier in the day uh, it's like well it's 57 shots and it's a a Leafs team that didn't have Mitch Marner and was coming off the second half of back to back and then you pointed out well the Blackhawks were also coming off a back to back and yeah. yeah they had Boquist and Doc who were fresh legs but even still you know both teams were coming off of back to back so you would expect the game not to be you know the the best product that either team could put together. But the Blackhawks, you know, stood up defensively earlier on in the game, and then things kind of went south. In the third, for the rest yeah. of it, yeah. yeah.
1: And that was – I've seen everybody, every member of the Toronto media making that second game of back-to-back in Toronto's no good playing in them. Well, so – I don't see how that's an excuse. The Hawks were also playing two games. I mean, just because one team has historically been bad over the course of a season, a back-to-back doesn't excuse them playing like garbage for 40 minutes. And then they right. showed up in the third period.
0: That and, and Toronto went back to playing their game, which is high-event hockey, and the Blackhawks forced them to the outside. They, they finally played – like again, you, it's worrying that it's 57 shots, but they, it's Toronto. They're going to shoot. Um, right. They have Austin Matthews. They have a lot of high-volume shooters. So I'm not – the, the fact that they gave up so few high-danger chances shows that the – the team is making progress.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been interesting to watch the the kind of all the media conversation from the game today because I think you know if the Hawks had won that game four to two, you know maybe five to two, I I think there would be more, I,
0: much more much more rejoicing than there is currently.
1: It, it, no, it would just I think it might be a little over the top. I I think the fact that the Hawks only won that game like almost blew it didn't quite blow, but almost did, I think still tempers the optimism that might have uh, it might have been overflowing. Because, again, Toronto was a very good team. They're supposed to be one of the top teams in the East. And that's the kind of game that the Blackhawks haven't been winning when they have hmm. a three-goal lead and can't protect it. So, I mean, I guess you take baby steps out of the fact that they had a three-goal lead and didn't completely blow it. So that, right. that's something. And, and it's been, like I said, I, I, I feel a lot better about the Hawks sitting here today than I did two weeks ago. You guys are in the same spot, right?
0: I think it's a return to that we as a group sort of laid out a plan for this season. Uh we called it cautious optimism. I'm sort of returning
1: right there. Yeah. That
0: we 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 know that this talent with this this roster and lineup is talented and are our, our, the kids are playing well. And cautious optimism.
1: Yeah, Brandon, what about you? Are you in the same boat?
2: Oh, I've started from the beginning of, I have zero expectations for this team. (laughs) So I don't get let down or I don't get like too overhyped about it.
1: It sounds like you were a veteran of Chicago sports heartbreak with uh, sentences like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Uh, So that's how my thoughts are on it. I wouldn't be surprised if they still finish, you know, a few points above where they were last season and end up in the same spot of the outside looking in but I also wouldn't be shocked if they get into the playoffs. So, yeah. and again, it's, it's only what, like 17 games into their season. Yeah.
1: That was Sunday night was game number 17.
2: Yeah. So still a long it ways to good. go, but yeah. just with like their schedule of having so many games on the road and not having a good chunk at home for, uh, um, Cause to they even an, it like to them out. Them. I mean like, because it's been like a long homestand and then road. So like, a fair shake back and forth um, I think will help players settle in more to the games and schedule wise. And it won't be us having like three days off between games and like nitpicking every little thing that went right or wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, the, I mean, we'll, we'll, before this podcast ends, we'll get back to the, the eight game stretch coming eight to 10 game stretch coming up. Cause we, we talked about it last time and it's still pretty difficult. Although there's a few teams on there that are scuffling quite noticeably, uh, much more than they were last time we talked. But they're still – yeah, I I think I'm in the same boat as you guys. I think Shepard's phrase of cautious optimism is pretty good where I don't – I no longer think Jeremy Carlton going to be fired before Thanksgiving. I still can't rule out Christmas just because uh, they're still – I still see things that are not as encouraging as I hope they would be with this team. I still think the defensive play – We'll, and, and this other thing we'll get back to with if Connor Murphy gets back in the lineup and they play better full time, and he stays healthy, and that picks up everybody else in the lineup, you know, if they get that blue line all together and play a month straight, then I'd be interested to see how that team looks because I still don't think they've had a too long of a stretch with all hands on deck because of all the injuries and because they had Adam Boquist down in the minors to start the season, because I think he's one of their six best defensemen now. I, I think if we get a, a proper look at what this team is supposed to be at its full roster capabilities, then I think I can make a more accurate decision about whether or not I should have any sort of plans for mid to late April uh, involving the Blackhawks. But before we get into anything else, I did want to ask you guys specifically uh, we've had two weeks of Adam Boquist now. I think well last time we recorded, I don't even know if he the news that he was being called up had broke yet. So, uh, Shepard, what are your impressions of Adam Boquist over the first two weeks?
0: Clearly some room for growth as a defenseman. Right. Uh, especially on the defensive side. Um, but he does things with the puck that nobody else, including the guy, the guy who was a veteran who's supposed to do this set of things with the puck that Adam Boquist does offensively. Oh. Oh, we'll
1: uh, we'll get to him in a second.
0: We'll, we'll get to him, but I—he's—he's he's a magician offensively, and if you, if you have somebody like Olimata or Calvin DeHaan defensively, you can cover for him there, and do a better job of that moving forward. Um, as he sort of learns his craft and hones his defensive side, um, I think he has something special. I think I think both he and Kirby Doc are showing that they, that the Blackhawks have drafted
1: well. Uh, Brandon, what about you? I know you've been a little bit limited in your ability to see some of these games, but have you had any standout thoughts or impressions about young Adam Boquist?
2: He's played better in the NHL than he did in Rockford.
1: Yeah. I thought that was a very interesting (laughs) thing that when I think you were the person that told us when he got called up and everyone said he wasn't really playing that well in Rockford, but sometimes guys that are that talented need to have players up to his skill level playing with him. Otherwise, you know, guys in the AHL may not see the game the way Bocas does, but guys in the NHL are going to. So maybe that's what helps bring out his ability.
2: Yeah, and I noticed that the Rockford home games that I was at, the games that Bocas played the best in just happened to be the games that there were a few more developmental and staff people from Chicago in attendance. (laughs) So
1: like, like he knew they were there.
2: Yeah. So
1: um,
2: And more that, that's more than just Brian Campbell being behind the bench um, with him. So, and I remember because he got called up on a Friday or no, on a Thursday and that Wednesday night I interviewed him and I asked him point blank. I said, you know, have you had conversations with Jeremy and and Stan um, you know, during your time here? And he said, no, I just kind of, like, go about my business and try to improve um, and see what happens. And I was like, so you're not expecting to get called up? And he he chuckled and he said, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, because I think that's the first thing he told the media when he got to the NHL was that I wasn't expecting this call-up at all.
2: Yeah, and even with, like – and he he knew about, like, Murphy's injury and stuff like that, but yeah, well, it just I- seemed like no one was like, oh, yeah, like – He's going to be up.
1: Yeah, I think that was – another interesting thing is when Murphy went down, we were all expecting them to call up another defensive defenseman. I think they did call up Gilbert at the time, didn't they? They did, yeah. Yeah, they called up – they brought them both up, but then they ended up sending Gilbert back down and left – and brought. I think they just brought Boquist up just to give the team a kick in the ass that they desperately needed. And it's worked, so – it's hard to have any issues with that, but uh, like you guys said, I, I am so excited to continue to watch the development of Adam Boquist because he's the most fun uh, offensive defense in the Blackhawks have had since Brian Campbell left. Uh, I, I don't think they've had anybody even close to him, and, and Gustafson last year doesn't count. So yeah, it's it's been a blast watching him. And, like, I think, Shepard, you're the one that said he's an absolute magician with the puck. I think my favorite thing about him so far is that he always seems to get his shots through on net. And he has maybe one of the fastest releases I've ever seen on the blue line. It's amazing how quickly a puck will come back to the point to him and then be thrown towards the net. And it's in the blink of an eye. I I haven't seen a guy with as quick of hands as he has. And and he always – doesn't seem to miss the net a ton either. He may not crank up a 90 mile an hour slap shot every time, but sometimes you just throw a 70 mile an hour changeup at the goalie. You get a rebound and good things happen. So I'm having a blast watching Boquist. It's it's uh it's been a pure joy. Kind of related on the topic of Adam Boquist uh, is Eric Gustafson, who basically does has the same skill set as Adam Boquist, but he's about 10 years older and he's also not playing very well, as we've discussed earlier. And, Shepard, right before we came on the air, you and I were talking about this, and I said we should save it for the pod. So kind of just re- uh, catch up all the people on your preamble before the show about Eric Gustafson and what you were talking about with him.
0: He's become too much of a liability defensively.
1: He well, and, I, he think had, he, I think he, he always was. Right, but
0: I think it's showing up more this season because he's not on a sixty-point pace. Um, yes. and he and he and Seabrook are sort of the two worst defensively. But Seabrook's been better with Calvin DeHaan when he's been th- when those two have been paired. Gustafson hasn't found that pairing yet, and that's concerning considering how many options the Blackhawks have and have put him with. I think at this point. If you can still get something of value in return, career for, for Gustafson, I think you got to grab it while the getting is good.
1: And and that's where I, I I have to object because I I think the Hawks are kind of screwed with that situation right now. Obviously, Gustafson had a whole bunch of trade value at the deadline last year when he was you know when he was on pace to be a sixty point defenseman. I don't entirely fault the Hawks for. Um, for for not trading him then because the playoffs, while they were a long shot, they were still within the realm of possibility at that time. And Gustafson was by far one of their best producers at that time. So trading him would have been tanking the season. I understand why they didn't do it then. I'm less understanding of why they didn't trade him. Well, he was a free agent. So I guess they would have been trading his rights away. Although they re-signed him during the season last year, right?
0: They extended him sometime yeah, early. They extended,
1: they extended him during the season. I'm I'm looking this up on Camp Friendly to find out as I'm talking here. With that Kosti, was
2: last. That was not last season. That was the season before last. That was in March of 2018.
1: Yeah. So March is, is when they extended him through the end of this season.
2: Yeah, wow. they gave him a two-year deal.
1: Oh, two-year deal. You you are correct. Okay, so I don't understand why he wasn't moved at the trade or at the draft because at the draft he still had a high ceiling and. I don't know if maybe the Hawks just didn't have faith in Adam Boquist to be what he is now, which part of that could be a a self-scouting issue within the organization. But I guess it was a mistake made by the front office failing to recognize that Adam Boquist was ready for the NHL level, which makes Eric Gustafs expendable. And the problem now is his value is tanked because he's playing like garbage at the moment. But I think you have to leave him in the lineup I mean, maybe scratch him here and there and hope he figures stuff out. But what you want Eric Gustafson to do over the next three to four months is find that 60-point defenseman former Ginn, raise the hell out of his trade value, and then ship him out at the trade deadline that comes up at the end of February. Because I don't think trading him now is going to do anything for you because you're not going to get anything good in return. Plus, teams aren't looking for trades right now.
0: Who would you take out of the lineup, though?
1: For Oh, well, Slater Cuckoo.
0: Right, but Cuckoo comes out when Murphy's done.
1: All right. End- uh, I don't know. I rotate him in as a seventh defenseman. I mean I I I understand what you're saying. I if if it came down to a point where you either get to play Adam Boquist or trade Eric Gustafson, I'm gonna trade Eric Gustafson. I would rather have both of them and just play them both right now. I it gets to kind of a crowded room and I see your point there, but I think Adam Boquist has to stay at the NHL level, and I don't think you're going to get anything good for Eric Gustafson right now. So you've got to, you got to let him go, or you got to let him play, and hopefully he turns things around. And if not, then maybe you send him back to Rockford, and he finishes out his contract this year, and then he walks in the in the summer, and you lose him for nothing, which sucks. But that's the way it's going to be.
0: I just don't he's see. Gotta it. Get, I don't he's got to get. He's got to get waived. So we can't go to Rockford. Well,
1: well fine, wave them. I I don't just get him get him out of my locker room. It's it's my locker room now. I've taken ownership of it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I I don't see where I don't see what I don't see how anything good will come from trading Gustafson at the moment. I'm with you that he probably isn't going to be around here for the maximum he will be on this team is through the rest of the season. But I don't think he makes it past the trade deadline. So I guess we'll see. But We've got some more stuff to talk about. we got some Rockford Icehogs things to discuss. And then we're going to look ahead to the next two to three weeks of Blackhawks hockey. And we're going to do that right after this short break. Today's episode is brought to you by
0: Cars.com.
1: Welcome back to the Second City Hockey Podcast, and as we will start doing more often on these upcoming shows, we have our Rockford IceHogs reporter, Brandon Kane, is here, as he's been the entire time. I don't know why I'm saying this like he just walked in, but anyway, Brandon's been watching and covering a lot of the IceHogs games in Rockford, and as he discussed earlier, he did some interviews with Adam Boquist. but that's not all we want you to talk about, Brandon. What's been going on with the Rockford IceHogs lately?
2: They collectively got their shit together after That's getting good. their asses pounded in Columbus or er, Cleveland by yeah. Columbus's farm team.
1: I remember the same weekend that we were all ready to jump off a cliff over the Blackhawks, the Rockford IceHogs were right behind us jumping off that cliff because they were pretty playing just as poorly.
2: Yeah, they got stomped twelve to like twelve to one in a two game series. In Cleveland.
1: Okay, I thought that was one game
2: score. Right, no, 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 no. Oh, well, they, they did get outscored 7-1 to one in one of them. Yikes. Yeah, so they uh, they had some time. They had – but that last game when they got shut out 5-0 was on October 26th. It was a Saturday. Their next game was a Wednesday, start of a five-game homestand. They won four, the first four of that. And they were really rolling rolling as in they were trailing in games and then would come back and win them. But it was always like after the first period or the second period, it was just like a different team that came out of the tunnel. They just came back and won, uh, getting some you know, fairly good goaltending from Kevin Lankinen and Matt Tompkins. Delia has been sound in net, but there's been a problem for him with, when the team doesn't necessarily go, then it's harder for him to settle into games. So if he, that makes sense.
1: He hasn't been able to rob and or the Ice Hogs, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay.
2: <laughs> um, he hasn't been able to
1: save the ship when the ship's been sinking.
2: Right. Derek King said the other day that you know when a guy's in net and you have all these shots coming to you, once one goes in and then you don't get that pushback from your your own team it kind of makes it harder to settle in and find your own groove because things just keep coming at you and you know they're not all clean goals there's deflections and stuff like that but in his last 4 games he's given up at least 4 goals and that's that's a product of you know the the changing defensive unit with Bokwis out of the lineup and trying to shift shuffle the lines and figure out where does Nick Bodine and Chet Chris factor in and Dennis Gilbert being in and out and finding out who works best with Philip Holman and Lucas Carlson and all of them. And there's –
1: What in the – what was that in the background? Are you like – is there – like, oh, somebody right? being attacked by a wolf because right now i can't i can't help <laughs> you. no
2: you can, can, edit, can edit that part post. out <laughs>
1: oh, yeah i'll fix that in post i think
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh sorry go
2: on <laughs> um, yeah i'm at my brother's college so there's like
1: okay a, you know, i was about to make a joke about it sounding like there's a <laughs> crap party going on behind you and that, yeah that would, all right close enough
2: so they won um uh, they won four or five during their homestand and they dropped the last one for nothing to Manitoba. They just ran into a ridiculously hot goaltender. And then Sunday they had another comeback win in Rosemont against the Wolves. So they are clicking for the most part. They've kind of established two lines as their, their top six lines.
1: Yeah. And I I want you to name all six of these guys. Cause it was not the combination I would have <laughs> expected.
2: Yeah. So it's, Anton Wedeen, Jacob Nielsen, and Brandon Hagel. So that's your, you know, pushing things forward uh, kind of line. And then the second pairing, which these two are kind of interchangeable between first and second, you have the Sakur brothers and then Matthew Hymer. Every single time that the media has talked to Matthew Hymer, he's been like, well, yeah, it's nice to have chemistry there, but he's like, I honestly don't care who I'm line mates with. <laughs> I kind of just fit in wherever. Uh, and Nick Moutry's been a guy who's expressed the same sentiment. So they're definitely driving the play and been able to play in their own zone as well.
0: What are, what are the prospects who are incredibly important to the future of the Blackhawks in Mackenzie Whistle and Philip Kurashev and Nick Baudin, all of whom have shown themselves over the last few, uh, year to be
2: high-level guys? What are they up to in Rockford? And Whistle has probably been the best at both ends among Kurshev and Bodan and himself. Uh, he's been good on draws when needed. Um, he's mainly played at wing, but he'll take draws every now and again and do fairly well in that area. Um, on the PK, he's done a great job of reading plays and breaking up passes. That's been something that's been pretty noticeable there. Um, and just, just overall, his game has been nice to see uh, a player be able to do well at both ends. Bodan's still trying to figure things out, it seems. Everything that you have read or heard about him before is kind of what I've been seeing in Rockford where sound defensively, and you really don't notice him on the ice, which is always a, a good thing for a defenseman,
1: yeah, especially Kirchev
2: the... is Kirchev is just finding his groove now. Uh, it seems like the he's been kind of keen on doing the uh ovechkin thing on on the power play where he just sets up at the circle and kind of waits for it.
1: You make a good living doing that,
2: yeah, so the other day when he scored, I think it was his first goal, and maybe it was his second he just kind of like floated along the blue line and then just like slowly made his way up. And as soon as he saw the window, he was like calling for the puck pretty hard. And once he got it, you could just see like the relief in his face. Like, yes, got it done. Like can move on and, and not worry about that anymore. We've
1: talked yeah, so we talked so much about – sorry, Brandon, I know didn't mean to cut you off. If you had more, go ahead. No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, we talked so much about the defensive prospects – in Rockford, because, mainly because of Adam Boquist and Dennis Gilbert, both being guys who had kind of one foot in Rockford and maybe another in the NHL, considering they've both been called up. Are there any Fords that might be on the verge of urging, earning a call-up? Because it doesn't seem like there's too many spots available in the Chicago roster, but if something were to happen, who do you think would be some of the top guys to get summoned from Rockford to Chicago?
2: Dylan Sakura is the top guy, no matter what. In that regard. Um, but he hasn't been their best player. Okay. That's been his older brother, Tyler. And Tyler's
1: and, not under. Tyler's on an
0: AHL contract
1: again. Yeah, right? he's not. Yeah. Because out- he's a lot older. Like, I don't think he has NHL future with him.
2: Right. And and King has said that as much. Uh, we've kind of asked him quite a few times what he's made of Tyler's change in play from last year, where it just seemed like he just wasn't able to score at the rate he was the season prior when they made that deep run in the playoffs. And his assessment was Tyler's a guy who does a lot of things good, but not great. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a shot. (laughs) But he was like, he's like, no, he's like, that's what you want out of like a a veteran AHL player. You want someone who can kind of drag a line when it's needed to. But also be like the uh, supportive player that can be there for the younger guys to show them, you know, this is how you approach things day after day, sort of situation, and that's what they, so they need in Rockford for those younger guys. Well, I guess and he plays he plays very well defensively, and that's that's good for you know a guy like Kirsch Evan Entwistle to be like okay, like that's what I have to do in my own end to make contributions for this team.
0: Watching him and probably Dylan too, right, because Dylan always was good in his own end in Chicago, and that's
2: sort of what kept him there. oh yeah, and you can see like their gap control has improved throughout the season, still room for improvement, but definitely gotten better, and there's like a different energy around the team now that they've gotten this win streak, which is understandable and Highmore's been very vocal about i don't ever want to lose in Rockford, you know they want to make the bmo a tough place to play in. So far, they've, they've done just that.
1: Well, that Rockford update brought to you by Beefaroo, where Brandon <laughs> goes after every single Rockford I saw his game. I figure if we start now, maybe by like you know the end of the season, we'll have an actual corporate sponsorship there or
2: something. Shoot your shot, right?
1: Yeah. Hey, hey, shoot or shoot. That's what I hear. So, speaking of teams that have a little bit of a better energy in the room because they've been winning more lately, the Chicago Blackhawks. We're going to look ahead now in a very awkward transition to Ooh. what the Blackhawks have coming up in the next few weeks. And again, we've, we've mentioned this before. We mentioned this last podcast. It's not pretty folks. They, they got some rough games coming up.
0: Right. But we thought that the, this, the last stretch we've been through wouldn't be pretty, but
1: well, I'm thinking if I can, if I can make it sound like they're going to lose the next eight again, they'll win three or five again. We'll keep doing that. And then the Hawks will make the playoffs. So just, just, just let it go. We'll so, see if
0: that's Well it's a bold move, Cotton.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll see if it works out for him. So Wednesday it's a bold night, bold move,
2: Colleton. <laughs> eh, eh.
1: I'm not. I'm I not i do not want to give you credit for that one. I mean, it's not. It's not bad. It's not bad. You, you've had worse. So oh, we start much off, worse. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sure you could do worse too. Uh, we start off Wednesday night against Shepherds of Vegas Golden Knights, and while the Blackhawks have never beaten Vegas, which is why I'm always terrified when they're on the roster. They haven't been playing very well lately. Have they Shepard?
0: No, uh, there's a few problems with the Vegas Golden Knights right now. Um, One, their offense isn't scoring at the rate they should be considering their offensive talent.
1: Seems like a bad idea. Yeah.
0: Two, two is uh, their defense since Nate Schmidt has been back. Hasn't seen the improvement everybody expected. Um, Schmidt and McNabb are not, of first pairing right now. Um, and Vegas's first defenseman, their number one defenseman, is playing off the number one pairing uh, and is sort of having to do a role he's not comfortable with. Uh, as Shea Theodore babysits Nick Hay, um, who Rockford fans are, I'm sure, aware of from last season. And besides Riley Smith, who's a playmaker, uh, he's never, he's never scored more than 22 goals in a season, I think. Um, Who's at 10 goals currently? Uh, they don't really have a ton of goal scoring depth right now.
2: Didn't they it's just a, assign a, Cody it's Glass? An
0: odd, it's an odd situation for where Vegas is expected to be.
2: Didn't they just assign Cody Glass to the AHL too?
0: That was a money saving deal. Oh, okay. Um, he's not played poorly enough to have to play for the Wolves. He's gotcha. been one of their. He's been one of their seven best forwards
1: i'm trying to decide if there was ever a game where the hawks played the Gold knights and the knights were completely struggling beforehand nothing's coming to mind shepherd do you have anything that stands out for you
0: i don't think the Gold knights have struggled like this oddly they've always had a sort of depth that saves them and right now their third line is an anchor and the last few seasons it hasn't been
1: right, well i mean that that certainly raises some optimism for uh, what we're going to see on wednesday night and then they got next Saturday, there's coming Saturday, I should say. They go back to the National Predators, back to the scene of the crime where they oh. by far the worst game of the year three weeks ago. And I think that that game's going to tell us a lot about where the Blackhawks are because Adam Boquist didn't play that game. And as we were discussing earlier, the number one thing that the Blackhawks needed in that game was somebody that could navigate a neutral zone trap and get the puck into the offensive zone. And uh, outside of Patrick Kane, and maybe Brandon out of it. He's got a full head of steam. I don't know anybody else that the Blackhawks had on the lineup that night that could skate through a neutral zone trap. I think Adam Boak was could. So that game could be, I don't want to say one guy's going to make that much of a difference, but it just seems like, I think that'll be a very telling game to see where the Blackhawks are because the Nashville Predators have the exact type of roster that has been giving Chicago fits for the last few years. If they can, put in a decent performance against Nashville. Um, I I don't know how everyone else will feel about it, but I'll be very excited about the way the rest of the season looks, if they can make Nashville not look like the world beaters they did last time.
0: I, I think there's, there's more skaters who can skate through a neutral zone trap. I just hope that they have adjusted to it.
1: And then after the Nashville game, uh, we get another weekend double dip. The Nashville game is Saturday night. Then they fly back home, and they play the Buffalo Sabres. I think they're still playing well. But the Buffalo Sabres game should be interesting just because it's an Eastern Conference opponent. You don't see them very much, but they are playing well. And I think the the one interesting thing that I'm looking forward to, I don't know. I The date I had in my head for Connor Murphy's return was November 17th. Was that is that accurate? He was put on injured reserve, so he's out for a certain – he is required to be out for a certain length of time, and I don't know exactly what that was. Do either one of you guys remember this?
0: I thought it was a number of games, and he's eligible to return after after Nashville.
2: It's twenty four days and whatever game amount in that window. So, but I, think, um, I think he's I, eligible to return against Buffalo.
1: Okay, because as yeah, it's,
2: just, it's Buffalo or Nashville.
1: Yeah, because as as I mentioned earlier, that's the one thing about this team that I'm looking forward to is. You get Connor Murphy back in the lineup. You get some games with everybody who is supposed to be on this team together, and then we'll see what they really have. And with games against – so I think, you know, this week it's it's kind of a matter of I don't want to say surviving the week because I think they need to win at least one of these games, if not two, because it's three quality opponents. But if you can get – say they get three out of the six points this week, you get Connor Murphy back. And then we'll see what happens with this team. And I, I, like I said earlier, I, I think I'm more optimistic about where the team is now than I was two weeks ago. But just in the very short-term future, these games coming up against Vegas, Nashville, and Buffalo, uh, Brandon Kane, I'll ask you first. Uh, anything in particular you're looking for or anything you're going to keep an eye on as we go through the next three games of Blackhawks hockey?
2: Not really those first two games because I feel like you guys have nailed down what to – watch, um, I do know that I'm going to be pulling my hair out of which hair i still have left about the, the narratives and all the cliche driven talk about Nylander and Yoki Haru trade analysis, a couple games into the season and won or lost that trade and all that garbage because you can't evaluate that trade because Chicago traded Yoki Haru because they felt they they had defensemen in the pipeline that would have a higher ceiling than him. So you can't evaluate that until you have Boquas and Ian Mitchell in the NHL and see how that is going. And the same can be said for Buffalo because they have wingers that are coming through that they feel have a higher ceiling than Nylander. So you can't evaluate a trade like yeah. three months later. Like it's just unfair to both parties and while it is one for one it is much more than that
1: and it's not out of the realm of possibility to have a trade that benefits both teams like trades don't have to be won and lost they can be mutually win-win. beneficial transactions
0: it, they can be win-win and right now it- like again, it's too early to evaluate, but it feels like a win win for both teams.
1: Yeah, like uh, Nylander's been playing very well. I mean, he's had, you know he's made a few mistakes, but I'm sure Yokoharu's had some mistakes out in Buffalo. So I a lot of the worries and concerns I had about Alex Nylander three months ago, I don't want to say they've all subsided, but they've definitely lessened. I because he's showing. There, there's a, there's a, You're seeing offensive production out of him, and, and that was you weren't even seeing that out of him when he was, uh, when he was first called up to NHL level. He really wasn't doing anything, and so the fact that he can do something on offense, I mean, if he, if you leave him on that line with Taves and Saad for a good chunk of time, I wouldn't be surprised to see points start piling up for him.
2: Yeah, yeah, and the thing
0: and, is and that he's a, he's a takeaway machine too. He's one of the best. Uh, he's got one of the best takeaway counts on the on the team.
1: Yes, and I'm glad you said that because I think that, was one, that that's more of a defensive thing, and I think one of the big concerns about him was that he didn't really do anything defensively. He just didn't really seem to hustle or give any effort in that side of the game. At least that was one of the knocks on him that followed him from Buffalo to Chicago, but the fact that he's been taking away pucks, like you said, has been that's one of the most encouraging things that he's done for me even more than his offensive production.
2: Yeah, and Yoki Haru's 20 and Nylander's 21. So there's plenty of time to see how this goes along. So people can just quiet down.
1: And there's an interesting article in The Athletic via the bromance that's developing between Nylander, Doc, and Boquist, which is, I don't know if you can put him on the same level as like Taves, Kane, and Keith, but in five, ten years, those could be the three best players on this team. So. Well,
0: I mean, hopefully Ian Mitchell.
1: Well, yeah. Level. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, in terms of, like, the guys that are, like, you know, the guys that are on the marquee outside the stadium in five to ten years, I think that's the trio you're looking at. Those are the three top ten picks. Uh, and then I guess the Brinkett's on there, too, and, and maybe Dylan Strom as well. But, I mean, those are three top ten picks. So, uh, Shepard Price, uh, we already touched on Brandon. What about you with the next few games? What are you looking forward to from the Chicago Blackhawks?
0: Yeah, I think we broke down Buffalo, not Buffalo, uh, Nashville and Vegas enough, but I would like there, to talk about Buffalo that team. too. Uh, Buffalo's low-key really bad in terms of possession stats. They don't drive play. Oh. They're, they've sort of gotten shelled
1: in their own zone. Oh, as far
0: sort, as, of, uh, sort of gotten
1: shelled is a very polite way to say that. <laughs>
0: yeah, their uh, possession stats, uh, I've been looking at this because I'm doing, I'm writing a piece on the Chicago defense right now, and also on the, also simultaneously on what's going on with Vegas, um, Buffalo is in the 40s in all their possession stats. Ooh, that's, that's not great, Bob. So if the Blackhawks are going to drive play in any of these games, uh, it'll be against Buffalo. And so that'll sort of be the test of how well does this, if they continue, if they continue this pace of not dumping and chasing, that'll be the test of how well does this not dump and chasing in possession Transition. How does that work? How well does that work?
1: I've become a sucker for the expected goals for percentage statistic because I I feel like it measures well. It's it's supposed to measure quantity over quality, and I or quality over quantity. Excuse me. And I've been I've been looking. I feel like I've been leaning more towards that as a more a better indicator of team's possession performance. The Buffalo Sabers, as you mentioned, forty-five
0: point thirty at even strength.
1: Yeah, and the team that's right underneath them. Is, is the Chicago, at least in the stat I'm looking at is the Chicago Blackhawks at 45.21, so 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 something's got to give, I guess. But I mean, like you said, the Blackhawks have been better of late. I wonder how much that low number is influenced by some of the awful games they played earlier in the season. They're they've only played 17 games, so some of the numbers maybe haven't had a chance to progress back to the mean. So I guess we'll see what happens. Any other? Thoughts or concerns or things to discuss or random noises to elicit from the background while we're finishing up this year podcast.
0: Uh, listeners of this podcast should be informed that we are going back to a more regular schedule.
1: Oh yes, yes they should. And we're going to we touch on that now is that we are working behind the scenes to get some things organized, but we're going to start having multiple shows per week. Uh, This show will most likely be sticking on most Wednesdays, we'll say. There might be some...
0: It'll be be on most Wednesdays, but it'll float between uh, midday, middays. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll call it it the Midday
1: Podcast. And you might even see it make some uh, fancy appearances in the event of emergencies or breaking news or something else like that. Then, uh, Shepard, if you want to talk about the Monday shows that are going to start appearing, I know you... Uh, we're,
0: we'll, we're, we're still working on names for each of these sort of different shows. But yeah, yeah,
1: we're not good with names. We'll need Brandon to do all these for us. We'll,
0: we'll, we'll have our, pen, our, our our resident pun master sort of break down names for us. Um, Mondays we'll be doing – I'll be hosting a deep dive on a particular category uh, with a rotating, ga- uh, rotating guest. So Rockford defenseman might be a category, Rockford power play, uh, possession stats for the Blackhawks, line combos – Etc. Just a deep dive on one specific topic, and then Wednesday will uh, then midweek will be this show, and then Friday we'll have interviews for you uh, from one of us three as we sort of track down guests to talk to.
1: Yeah, I mean the last guest we did have was a former Stanley Cup champion, so we're gonna have a high bar to match for the Friday show. But I imagine we've got we got some names up our sleeve. I mean, if uh, somehow we track Dave Boland down, that'd be great. I'd, I'd have a hard time questions, but that, that would be my ideal guest for the Friday show. Brandon Kane, if you had an ideal guy for your Friday show interview, who would that be?
2: Ooh, that's a loaded question. Are we...
1: I mean, Blackhawks themed, or I guess... More okay. You,
2: did you know who I was going to say if it wasn't Blackhawks themed?
1: No, I don't.
2: Ooh. Oh, I was going to go with Jacob Slavin.
1: Jacob Slavin, yeah.
2: I mean, his, his brother's a Blackhawks prospect. They're, they're really nice people. I feel like they'd be fun to talk to.
1: Okay, um, I I thought I I really when you uh, when you said it the way you said it, I thought you were going to go with someone a lot more, like someone like on like the Wayne Gretzky level or something like that. And like no, no, just the guy that plays on Carolina.
2: Um, but Blackhawks' streaming wise, yeah,
1: um, Put Troy honest. Murray,
2: ooh, ooh, Troy yeah, Murray, just because you know from the the former players' perspective, and then. You know, the work that he does with radio, how do you transition into a role like that? And what is, you know, the, the day in the life I'm on the road and calling these games? And what's, what does all that entail for you and all that sort of thing? So
1: That would be an interesting one. And him and John Weidman are so much fun to listen to. Like, I don't listen to – I'm not in the car much during Hawks games. I'm usually in front of the TV. But if I am stuck in the car, they are a delight to listen to.
2: Yeah, I've I've turned into the the old man type where you mute the TV and you put the radio call on. I I used to do that with
1: Bears games, but it's hard to do with any live sports now because you can't the radio is ahead of the TV signal and you can't Well, I guess you could pause the T or no, you have to pause the radio broadcast to slow it down to line up with the TV. So I don't know how you do that.
0: Online radio? Oh,
1: there yeah, there All right, good call, Shepherd. What about you? If you had a dream Friday show guest, who would that be?
0: So there's two guys I would love to talk to about the Blackhawks uh, as it stands. Uh, one is Phil Brooks, aka CM Punk. Uh, ah, he did the 31. He, he did the 31 Thoughts podcast earlier, but they didn't really talk to him much about the Blackhawks.
1: I'm glad I'd you love clarified because I had no idea who the hell Phil Brooks was.
0: I'd love to talk to. I'd love to get his takes <laughs> on Boquist and Doc. And then uh, Johnny Oduya, because I want to talk to him about what he thinks of the new 27.
1: Mm. And he has, I, he went to play in Thailand during the lockout, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I would, I remember reading an article somewhere, probably at The Athletic, but I remember reading somebody talk to him about his experience in Thailand, and I would have never even imagined that there was hockey in Thailand. So that, I would love to hear more about that.
2: I think I would add John Madden to that list because of this NHL career that he had and then coaching the Cleveland Monsters and then well, what is he doing now kind of sort of thing. So Yeah, the original Marcus
0: Kruger.
1: I do remember – I remember John Madden was the guy like – there were two or three teams that acquired him and won a cup. Like the Blackhawks weren't the first team that did that. So he was very used to that whole thing. So, well, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Second City Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we look forward to bringing you all this new content that we're going to be unveiling in the next week or so. And we hope you come back and listen to it more. So, for Brandon, for Shepard, I'm Dave. And please, once again, for the love of God, go, Hawks.